Howdy, you're listening to Inside the Edition. This is a podcast brought to you by Chicago Printers Guild. My name is Emma Bilyeu, and I invite you to board the South Shore train with me because today we're taking a short trip to Northwest Indiana for a conversation between Terrence Chenard and Ida Short. Terry is based out of Gary, Indiana, and runs the Wing in the Wheel Press, as well as Gary Printworkers Union. He has a massive resume filled with a wide range of jobs in the book printing world. And Terry kind of knows everybody. His natural networking ability pops up in the conversation you're about to hear, as Terry and Ida discuss the importance of knowing people around you. Who is Ida, you ask? Well, Ida Short is a powerhouse co-founder of Goshen Printmakers Guild, which is a community print shop in downtown Goshen, Indiana. Though this episode takes place outside of Chicago, Terry and Ida's discussion about the source of motivation for developing community spaces is simply universal. There's no textbook to starting such a venture. It is conversations like the one you're about to hear that keep community shop owners connected and motivated to share their resources. Make sure to stick around till the end of the episode because I'll share some CPG news as well as some upcoming opportunities. So I'll see you at the end, Uh, but until then, here's Terry and Ida. Um, So my name is Terrence Chenard and I'm a letterpress printer in uh, Gary, Indiana. and uh, we're doing a little something unusual, I think, for the Chicago Printers Guild uh, podcast, um, where normally, um, you know, we have all of our great members uh, talking about uh, maybe a particular uh, artwork or series or project. Uh, and today, um, I am really happy to be speaking with Ida uh, Short uh, of Goshen, Indiana. So not only do you have this unusual off topic uh, we're about to discuss, but you have two people who aren't in Chicago. Um, uh-huh. um, uh, uh, representing the in- <laughs> Chicago <laughs> Printers Guild. I almost called it the Indiana Printers Guild, which would be a completely different thing. We should probably get to that later. Put that on our list, right? <laughs> I'm I'm writing it down right now. Okay. So um so yes, uh I Ida is uh as I said in Goshen, Indiana. Uh yes. she's from she's as Midwestern as you can get. She's from mm. Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, she graduated from Goshen College in 2015, and uh, she opened the Goshen Printmaking Guild in 2021. I should be clear, the topic we're going to talk about is the fact that we are, what are we, what are we doing, Ida? <laughs> I we're, ask myself that every day, Terry. <laughs> um yeah, that's a great question. I I believe that what I am doing is trying to start like a community printmaking studio. A that's community exactly yes. Center. Yeah. No, yeah. no, go ahead because I was just gonna say, what am I doing? Yes, uh, and I I'll add just that I was um, 
I've started, I've developed uh, the Gary Print Workers Union, which is just a community print shop. So uh, Ida and I connected uh, just merely by our locality, right? Yes. Uh, we're yeah. close to one another, but also um, that we have this similar interest uh, mm -hmm. in, in not only having a print shop, but making it uh, an open studio. So, yeah. But um, no, keep telling me. Uh, by the way, Goshen, absolutely insane, insanely gorgeous place. Uh, it's Aww. a beautiful, sweet little college town. I don't know why everybody doesn't live there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I I stayed here after college and then I moved away and then moved back and then moved away and moved back. So it's definitely a town that's really kind of pulled me back in. It has a lot of cool things going on, um, especially in support for the arts. Um, right. Yeah. So, well, let's about the support for the arts. Let's put a pin in that. But why don't you uh, you were saying um, you moved away and mm -hmm. where did you work when you had when you moved away yeah the first time I moved away um I'm I moved to um Oregon right um and it was I stayed in Goshen a little bit after I graduated um and when I moved to Oregon then I continued um doing some printmaking I studied printmaking at Goshen College and in Eugene, Oregon, I was a member of the Whitaker Printmakers Studios, which is a similar idea to what we are trying to do here. Um, and it's really inspired me in, in what I want my own community studio to look like. Um, that was an amazing place with like a keypad on the door and members get discounts to workshops and access to equipment, um, which is really wonderful as a young printmaker who couldn't afford my own equipment, who couldn't afford a space to house it or didn't have the ability to maintain it myself. Um, it was a really valuable resource and definitely a huge inspiration in what I am trying to do today in Goshen now. Um, yeah. Amen, lady. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is, is that um, a similar thing of what you're trying to do in Gary? Like, when I envision my community studio, I want a big driving force for me is that I have this beautiful equipment. I got my first letterpress press in 2020. Um, what terrible was that? timing. What, what was that uh, press? Yeah, um, it was a Heidelberg windmill and it needed some tender loving care. And it was going to scrap. And I was very sad that it was going to scrap. So it was a scrap rescue. Um, and I I love it. I've put a lot of work into it. And it is honestly one of my favorite presses now. <laughs> um, but so I got that in 2020. And then got more equipment over the next year. And a, and a big motivating factor for me is like, I have this beautiful equipment. I have this wonderful resource. I want as many people to be using the equipment at all time as much as possible. Um, right. Like I, I want it to be used. I don't want it to be sitting behind a locked door. Um, so when I envision a community studio in Goshen, access is a huge part of that. Um, and I'm wondering kind of what is a driving force for you with your vision of a community studio in Gary, 
Yeah. Oh, well, um, <clears throat> so, well, I'm from, I'm from Gary. I was born here and mm. uh, I left, you know, like most uh, people uh, of my um, generation did. We, you know, so long, we turned mm -hmm. 18 and so long suckers. We uh, headed out to, I, I got a, so I was gone for 30 years, I guess, <laughs> make the mm -hmm. long story short. I was gone for 30 years. Um, and uh, life found me back in uh, Gary, um, trying to figure out what's next with my life. And I still had a little bit of equipment. Um, and I've managed to set it up in this little house I rent. Uh, so really, it's... I, people say, where do you live? I, I don't really live. I live in, I, I tell people I sleep in the back of the studio, <laughs> which is more like, <laughs> it's true. You've been here and it's uh, kind of wall to wall. It's supposed yeah. to, it, the house is the size of a postage stamp and it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but for the bedroom, uh, the bathroom. It's a, it's a fine example of like Tetris in real life. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I had never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I came back and I, I realized things really hadn't changed in the 30 years. I mean, there still is a very strong um, arts organization, regional arts mm -hmm. partner with the state agency, um, mm -hmm. South Shore Arts. There are places like Chesterton Arts Center, the Art Barn. Um, IUN certainly has its uh, art department. Um, mm -hmm. but there isn't any kind of, I don't know. I don't feel like there's any kind of center of gravity, uh, because mm -hmm. everybody's working. Oh, um, <laughs> I hear I am forgetting just around the corner here in my neighborhood of Gary, uh, is the, uh, Marshall Gardner, uh, center for art, um, which is, and I, I should say most of these are like, uh, exhibition spaces. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. And I should qualify that because uh, Hannah in Chesterton will will uh, chide me that uh, you know it's also a teaching. Um, mm -hmm. they, they teach as well as exhibit, so that's a strong educational program there. Uh, mm -hmm. Certainly, the art barn in Valparaiso. Um, but you know, I've I've been doing a survey, and it's just kind of what exists. What currently exists is what has always sort of existed, where the the focus is on painting, drawing, and then after that maybe there's a steep drop off, uh, because that's what you that's what art is, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, uh, and certainly there's a uh, strong performing arts, but uh, I I can't even think about performing arts. So let's just. <laughs> we we can put another pin in that. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> a little bit of a different category, right? So, uh, but as far as printmaking goes, I don't. I mean, I've asked heads of art departments of all the uh, schools of higher education, and uh, I think IUN has a a nice, a couple nice pieces of equipment, but I, they don't have any dedicated faculty. Um, I'll tell you what, though, in South Bend is the Indiana University South Bend. That's a a really great shop, but it's it's just um, sort of manned by one uh, guy, a really great guy, Bill. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, how do you say Bill's last name? Tor Torlo Torlo. 
Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Bill. I've let you down. Um, <laughs> uh, it's going to be okay. Yeah, but, you know, St. Mary's, uh, what else? There, oh, there's that one school in South Bend. Uh, what do you call it? The big one? Um, with the football team? There's a football. Oh, there's Notre a football, Dame. Right. There's a football team <laughs> in South Bend with a school attached to it, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. But I've not, I've not been in touch with them yet. So I'm kind of doing this survey, and there really isn't any, um, you know, um, you know, there are printmakers, but nobody really knows each other, which is a real shame. Yeah, I mean, I hear you naming these places and I'm I'm like writing them down as you're naming them because I'm like, ooh, I want to check that out. Ooh, I want to try and partner with this person. It's like there's there's not that sort of like connective tissue that you're describing of I I haven't found a good way to reach these people or hear about them. Or, right, I mean, yeah. we, um, so there's no center of gravity. And I, uh, I'm very interested in, community and, and, and education and, and to achieve, you know, to, to, to that end, we uh, really need to know who each other are, you know, where are, you're my neighbor. I mean, you're what, how far away? Like a, is that hour, an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Yeah. Plus a time uh, change. Right. You're, you're in the future. And <laughs> that is, you're, you're my neighbor, just like Chicago is my neighbor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think something that you and I probably both suffer, uh, maybe me more than you, be, uh, in or at least our areas, our, our you know, our local neighborhoods. Uh, people would say, "Oh, if you want that, just go into Chicago," mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is great. I mean, it, it's great to have everything. I mean, such a such a great city, right there uh, for us. You know, we take the south, we can take the South Shore in right to the heart. Yeah, and, unbelievable. Yeah. And then enjoy, you know, really satisfactory public transportation. Uh, oh my gosh, a dream! <laughs> but uh, we don't get to uh, stay home, and and I guess I always sum it up with the the, the thought, with the words, um, "Why can't we have nice things too?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, a a big sort of like signifier of. Uh, quality of life in general is like what is your commute and it's like if I want to go to Chicago I'm going to have a great time there I'm going to find valuable resources it's going to be wonderful but it's also going to be two hours one way Um, and and so it's sort of like if I want to be working on a project um, it just like eats up so much of my time and energy just transporting myself and my materials Right. To Chicago. Um, That's exactly what happened. And I think that was maybe the impetus for uh, me trying to open the my little uh, workshop here because mm-hmm. I, I was fine just printing away by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Friends would come over. But um, I had neighbors who are members of Sputnik and they would uh, get on the train and take public transportation up to. Spudnik, they would carry their screens uh, mm-hmm. and use Spudnik's equipment to um, to expose, you know, the process mm-hmm. to expose process, et cetera. And then they would get back on the train and then come back to Gary and uh, print 
in their basement. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. So there were a lot of people here, like just working in their basements, just little you know, mm-hmm. quiet, little monastic. Uh, but mm-hmm. I just thought that was, I, I think that kind of got me angry. I was like, what the hell, man? Uh, can, I mean, it's an exposure unit. It's a, it's a washout. Can't we figure out how to pull together? I don't know. It, it can't be that much. Yeah, the, I know. the setup. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's a lot of DIY. We could figure out how to do it inexpensively, but still, I mean, even IUN, uh, I know they have uh, two really great pieces of uh, printmaking equipment, and and one of them is this, you know, state of the freaking art uh, exposure unit, right? You know, this thing's mm-hmm. a beast. You you could dry. I I've, I've owned cars that aren't as big as this thing. And um, <laughs> uh, they don't, uh, th- th- but that's the trouble I think with when we face, when we deal with institutions. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's something that we have in common with like what is motivating us to to make a community space in our area. Um, this, this idea yeah. of equipment sharing um, of access. And I know that, something you mentioned was education and you have experience teaching, right? When you were gone for 30 years, you, you got that experience, right? And you're kind of wanted, wanting uh, to bring that back. Right. I was, uh, I did have uh, a lot of, yeah, <laughs> I had, I was in the educational uh, industrial complex for <laughs> a while uh, and trying to manage a, a book arts program. Um, Never really, mm-hmm. never really felt comfortable in a, you know, teaching in an academic setting with uh, grades and syllabus. And it's, it, I went to graduate school to learn that stuff, but that's not what we were taught. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't really know how to address that problem, except um, try and get out of that. Yeah. System. And I mean, it, it sounds to me like you had that experience and you want to find all the other ways that education exists, right? Like teaching workshops, one-on-one printing, having right. the and equipment that, share. Like. Exactly. That's it. And that's why we have to have these spaces that are, um, I think we can collaborate, but certainly we should be able to collaborate with uh, larger institutions and all sorts of organizations. But the, the truth is we can't, um, if you, I don't think the educational institutions uh, of high, you know, I'm talking about higher ed here. They're not going to, first off, it's just, you know, it's a whole little ecosystem of politics and um, budgetary concerns that I frankly, I don't have the time and energy for. I feel like we just, we, you have to, like we're much better suited uh, to be operating outside of that system, mm-hmm. uh, because we, we can, we can do things that, um, they can't, yeah, uh, we, and I... we, we can't issue degrees, but <laughs> we can just do just about do everything else. Yeah. And I think something that's important for me also is this aspect of collaboration, um, that can be really hard when you're tied to an institution and all of the bureaucracy that comes in managing that. Um, 
Like a lot of people that come in to use my equipment are not necessarily artists, um, but rather like writers or English students or like community members working on a single one one nightstand project sort of thing. Um, you mean like real people? Yeah, like real people. <laughs> not 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 uh, students uh, enrolled in a uh, program. Nothing against students enrolled in programs, but you know that's. I think that's a really uh, a sticking point for me is um, if you're a student in one of these programs, um, you pay tuition and you are in the set schedule of what, like 15 weeks or how many semesters or how many years. And then when you're done, they give you your degree and uh, they say so long. I mean, of course, mm -hmm. the, the alumni office contacts you right away, but they, uh, if you need, you graduate and you need to use an etching press, well, I, are they, going to let you go I mean does Goshen let you go back and use all their printmaking um, short answer no uh, um, I think that if Goshen College had mm, like more resources in their art department mm -hmm. there might be interest in some of that but at this point they are kind of like incredibly short-staffed um yeah. underfunded kind of a situation and just like scrambling to function right just like um, every uh you know yeah just like liberal, many higher ed <laughs> yeah large and small unless you're yeah. harvard i guess but oh, damn. Uh, yeah yeah it's hard it's hard to like have that aspect of community outreach when you're just um trying to survive and struggle right like you you're just focused on on the survival so you have no energy for anything beyond that um, and I think that that's what's happening in the case of my college and having alumni come and use the equipment like it's not just possible it's just not possible right yeah and and that's not even their mission uh essentially yeah yeah um I mean whereas we kind of what don't we anybody who comes in the door we have to think of as you know either you're a member of the community uh or you're a, you know uh you're visiting but in essence essence you're a guest to the um shop and you can uh, you know it's your job to you know suss out what it is uh this guest is here for and uh, address mm -hmm. it. It's not, mm -hmm. it's, <clears throat> in, neither of us have the um, um, choice to be like, well, you know, go, there, we have no gatekeepers <laughs> for one thing, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. if, you can't just show up to, uh, you know, uh, a printmaking department at a college and just waltz right in. Uh, yeah, pitch a project and be like, here we go. Right. Um, so yeah what and else that's is something that I mean like that is connected to something else that is on like my list of of everything which is like how how do you do this Terry how do you like when you have people come into your studio 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's definitely an element also of like that's incredibly vulnerable. You you're letting people into your space. You you are teaching them. You're trusting them to be able to listen and and follow instructions and at the same time you there are things that you cannot compromise on like studio safety um and that's something that I've honestly really struggled with um I I have had community members who are incredibly excited and like want to be involved and want to do stuff um but I've had to have some really hard conversations about studio safety because the most dangerous thing is someone in the studio not understanding that they don't know anything and then like operating equipment willy-nilly um yeah I guess that that's also just like a vague question for you is how how do you approach studio safety um with community members and and how do you be a welcoming space while also not compromising that Um, because that's also like for their benefit. If you have someone in there that's unsafe, it makes it unsafe for everyone else. Right. Right. What you're saying is absolutely important. Um, I don't have, um, the, you're braver than I am in that you have, you know, you've scheduled events and your space is really set up for that. You know, we Mm -hmm. should say my space is very different than yours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So mine is like a little house in a neighborhood, whereas yours is, how do you want to describe it? Uh, yeah, so so mine would be like one large room um, that's like all dedicated to the printmaking. And it's in downtown Goshen in right. an alley sort of located. So there's, there's definitely say, different should, access. We should definitely say that you are ideally located between a hardware mm-hmm. store and a bookstore. Uh, yeah, it is kind of living the dream there. And the you're not people. You're, <laughs> you're not right there on that. You're in the you're in the back. You have to get to Ida's shop from the back of the building. But mm-hmm. it, it's only a matter of time before you, you know, bust through that wall and you're like on that main <laughs> street drag right across the street from the old movie theater. Oh, it's mm-hmm. gonna be. Yeah, that's going to be nice. It's but, uh, it, it's actually a wonderful location because when I was moving equipment in, um, it was so much easier to move in because it's right outside my door is an alley and then a public parking lot. So I had yeah. so much space to maneuver and my forklift and all of that stuff with that. Um, so I really like the location for for that reason alone um, and many other reasons. But yeah, my space is definitely more set up in a different way right. to have events and have people sort of flocking in. Yeah, so in to, to answer your question, I um, when I have somebody over, it's usually just one or two people at a time and I watch, mm. them, I watch them like a hawk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas I think you've had, you know, actual classes with mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, five, six, you know, maybe even more people. My and max you... is ten because I have ten chairs. <laughs> there you go. I and I've never had. I don't think I've ever had more than four people. And um, you know, there's only the Vandercook I have operating mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. here, and that's um, you know, 
only one person at a time. So Mm -hmm. it's always, I will, I only watch them like a hawk. Um, Mm -hmm. When I ran, gosh, in the other shops I've been in, um, there's always a lot of um, anxiety around that question. Uh Um, I don't let, see, I think, I think, let me use like Wells. I used to run the Wells College Book Arts Center in Aurora, Mm -hmm. New York. And mm-hmm. I set that place up um, and we had two press rooms. So uh, the student room where, you know, where the education happened was all Vandercooks. And I don't know, there's, there's, you know, that was like a 15 week long class and it was all set up uh, in a, such a way that um, we eliminated everything that could, you know, it was, it's, I took a like the Montessori model where um, you only had the tools that you needed mm-hmm. out available for you at each station. There was a lot mm-hmm. of color coding going on. Mm-hmm. You know, each each Vandercook had a color code, like had a blue mm-hmm. handle, and the and you know, and then all the blue tools went with well, the blue I mean, handle sort I, of thing. I don't, I don't know. Did we go that far? I don't remember. Maybe I'm assuming, but projecting. Each, but you know you didn't have to move all around and there wasn't a lot of clutter. Um, but we were very, uh, certain to say like, okay, here's where a pinch point is and here's how, um, you know, you have to listen to the machine. There was a, there was a lot of education right up front about safety. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But all the other machines that we had that were, you know, slightly more, uh, dangerous um, uh-huh. we we didn't let folks near um without yeah. an extremely um, uh, you know large am- amount of education and caution so yeah just like removing the sort of temptation or the option right, entirely yeah. yeah like if you saw somebody in that room you'd be like what do you you know you, i don't know if we ever said what are you doing in this room uh but uh, certainly there was like, this is where you work, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, being somewhere else was sort of the exception. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, you're in a, you're far, you're much farther along, uh, on having a community space than I am, uh, you know, Goshen is so welcoming and so is your shop. Whereas I think Gary still, um, people still drive through Gary (laughs) never stopping in so yeah but I mean it's also like it comes back to what we were saying before about location like I'm located in downtown which is which is much more like pedestrian friendly um and I'm right by a parking lot so if people come here for an event it's so easy to give directions like just park in this parking lot there's a sign on the door like all that jazz um so what else Ida yeah um kind of related to that of like getting people into the studio um it's been interesting thinking about a community studio because there is that huge element of education up front right like Mm -hmm. it's not like you can just walk in and magically know how to do things safely Um, And so something that I have been doing that I've not been expecting to do is 
hosting a certain category of events that are just like very sort of easy peasy entry level, like get people in the studio, very watch like a hawk as they like print five things on a press that I've already set up. Um, and it's, it's this category of interaction that feels obvious to me now, but didn't mm -hmm. feel obvious when I was initially starting a community studio, which is just get someone in and they do like the very magical part of, of pulling a print mm -hmm. and they don't do the like hours and hours of work leading up to it. And then they are hooked and they're like, okay, yeah, I want to do the hours and hours of work leading up to it. Um, and so like trying to creatively think of ways to get people into the studio to see the equipment, because once people see your space, then they have ideas and right. they get excited. Yeah. And you put um, things out to show them what's possible. I mean, just mm -hmm. like any studio visit, um, we, it's been a while since um, I've been able to get up to the city to join any of our um, guild members. Um, at one of the many wonderful Chicago Printers Guild events. But um, I remember uh, that was just a thrill to see not only the spaces uh, and not only a thrill to meet the people, but uh, to visit their spaces and to see the work. And mm -hmm. it just generated all kinds of ideas. But when, you're, when you know absolutely nothing, yeah, you've got to have those sort of, um, you know, look at me, I made a print kind of, barely you, you set mm -hmm. it all up for them and they all they have to do is just the bare minimum effort mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. to crank a handle or do something and 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 get their reaction whether you know they're hooked or they want to know more or whether they're completely disinterested but at least they've had the experience yeah um, and it's it's something like that where like in my case people that have had that interaction and immediately want to be like, okay, where's your email list? How do right. I know about the next workshop? How do I, how do I hear about this? Um, and there's one person that had that interaction and has come back into the studio maybe three or four times, just printing super simple, like a bulletin cover for his church, a, a very simple postcard baby announcement for when he had a kid in September with his spouse. Um, and so it's just like, once you get that little interaction into someone's brain, then mm -hmm. they're like, Ooh, here's how I could use it. Ooh, here's what I could do. Like, and that's so cool to see. Yeah. You've got any number of, of resources and custom, I mean, potential, uh, I guess, I don't know. You don't, you don't want to call them customers, but. Members, community members. Yeah. Patrons. I mean, there's. Yeah. Because I also I know you also do job work too. I mean that's what the windmills yes. are for. Yes. Uh, so I should we should say that probably our missions our missions are quite similar, where education seems to be primary, mm -hmm. um, and in production, which is how we pay the bills or justify having the equipment uh, in mm -hmm. the first place. Um, 
Uh, yeah, and that's maybe. something that that is also on my list is sort of just like the general vague question of how do you yourself get paid? How do you keep the lights on? Um, how how do you consider sort of like being a business versus like being a nonprofit? Um, and and the different kind of like amounts of time that can go into administrative work. Um, and the balance that I have found right now is just like, I have a business, I do job work that helps me keep the lights on. It does not fully help me keep the lights on, but like it maybe in the future will be like fully sustainable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite new, right? I've only been doing this for a year or two years. Um, and, and so the balance of like having job work and then this entirely like sort of unofficial community space. And my, my whole thing is like, if you want to come make something, we can figure it out. If you can't afford to make something, we can figure it out, like come in. Yeah. Um, and so like, that's also a question I have for you is like, how do you think about going forward? Um, like with the Gary Printmakers Union being an LLC, being a nonprofit, being a like blah, 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 blah. Like mm. I, yeah, I'm also at a sp space where it would be very hard for me to have some sort of nonprofit because there's not a lot of people in Goshen that know about letterpress printing. Right. So like, how do you have people making decisions about like equipment and mission when they don't know how to use the equipment or don't know a lot about the craft. Um, yeah. Right. So you and I are both on like, <clears throat> um, this is like missionary work. We're out here um, in the hinterlands mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> preaching a gospel mm. that. Um, this that, is my uh, favorite gospel. Yes. Who would this be the gospel according to, though? I don't know. No, it's neither here nor there. I don't know. I mean, it, you've been doing this for a couple of years. I've been doing this for a couple of years more than you. And mm -hmm. um, the there, I don't know of any way to learn this stuff other than. Um, yep like being thrown into the deep end and just swimming and yeah. and you yeah. you look around and you say who else is here or who and and now that the you know now god i can i can say this because i remember uh dealing with people with all doing a lot of this before the internet um like looking around and saying okay tugging on people's uh, shirts and saying, excuse me, uh, you know, what do you mean by that? Or how do you do this? Mm -hmm. I was, I was constantly bothering people. Mm -hmm. um, not, well, I think it was bothering, but you, know, you would meet some people who would give you like their whole life story and you could glean from that all kinds of useful bits. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you would meet assholes who were, you know, just uh, like, and you know, you knew never to bother them. And, and mm -hmm. you, you might find out later, you know, why that was or, or something, who knows that's yeah. none, of, none of that matters, but it's always, that's why talking to each other or knowing who each other, you know, 
knowing who people are um, and having this sense of community is so important because uh, there isn't a, a collection of best practices or there isn't a textbook on how to mm-hmm. open a community uh, print shop. In it's the not just of- something you can Google. Right. No. And there, no, there isn't an article uh, on how to start a community print shop in the middle of Indiana. Uh, mm-hmm. Or where, Then there should be community print shops in every, you know, small, medium, uh, town, city. Uh, because mm-hmm. I think what we do is, um, you know, it's, it's printmaking, but it's also... You know, it's a, it's, there's, there's so much, so many other people can come to, uh, I guess I'm going to piss off the printmakers, but you know, <laughs> the, the fact that letterpress, uh, you know, it can involve imagery, but it also involves typography. And I mean, my, one of my, my best moments at Wells was, uh, watching, um, a history professor. Let's see, it was, a history professor, two language professors, and an English professor all arguing over the translation of a, a poem mm. uh, over a pre- over the press bed. And mm. I'm just waiting there for to like figure out where do I, you know, do I need to reset this line? You know, mm-hmm. make sure, let's make sure the accented characters are in the right place. You know, they mm-hmm. didn't necessarily worry too much. Like they knew I could put the ink on the paper just, you know, uh, as elegantly as I was supposed to. I mean, that was my job, their job. But th- what I'm trying to say is that it's just, it brings a lot of different people, um, like the book arts, I think, uh, uh, and, and letterpress. It's, I don't know. It's, it's like kind of like the essence of collaboration, right? Right, right. I mean, I, it's, it, it all happens. I think when you have people, when you have people making a book or portfolio, you have uh, visual artists come in and you have literary artists come in um, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, figure out how to make this. um, I mean, it's a real opportunity to make something. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you're not, yeah. No one is ever really sort of like working by themselves necessarily. You're, you're collaborating with these writers, with these makers, with other creatives, um, and you're getting people into the studio. And that's such a cool part. And I think that like everything you're saying is, is just like perfectly tied back to the beginning of like needing to know who's there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I really just like empathize so deeply with your analogy of you're just like swimming and you're just trying to figure out who, who else exists. Um, and when I got my first press and I needed to do work on it, it was just like cold calling people, emailing people, no one responding, someone responding and like being a real dick and like, (laughs) just, just being this snob of like, I only work on presses pre 1900. And it's like, okay, great. Who, who, who do I talk to? Who just like, and finally, when you find the people and it's starting to click. And it's, it's so satisfying to yeah, have it, that collaboration built and up. And you almost, sort of you almost don't need people. You just need like a person 
And then that mm-hmm. person will introduce you to another person. Now you have two yes. and they'll introduce you yes. to two more. 100%. Uh, and uh, so that's And why. that is like what happened when I met you. I met you and I was like, I have 50 million questions. And I'm going to ask you all of them at the same time. <laughs> and you were like, hold on. For this one, you should just talk to this person over here. And for this one, you should like talk to yeah. this person. And I was like, no, this is exactly what is needed is just this like sort of pooling of resources of that information. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what I think we have with uh, the guild. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you have this loose net, you know, network of people who um, I certainly uh, turned to <clears throat> folks and some really dear friends in Chicago for um, advice and um, resources and Mm-hmm. Um, but gosh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I think I'm having flashbacks to that moment of like the 15 million questions. Oh boy, that was a lot. <laughs> I think we, we stayed up very late. Yeah. I um, literally could not stop asking you questions. I, <clears throat> and you would be like, okay, here, I'm describing how this works. And I would be like, stop it and describe how the middle of that thing works and then go on to describe how this other thing works. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, we don't even, that. I think you and I both uh, starting a, these community shops, uh, you know, neither of us are arts administrators. I, I still mm-hmm. am uncertain what the, those folks do. I'm, I know they're important, but, um, but we don't even necessarily know the right questions to be asking, mm-hmm. let alone the, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I mean, I've, I've started this survey of um, book arts centers and community shop, community print shops um, mm-hmm. around the country. Um, and I'm trying to figure out like, okay, what do I start asking them all? How do I, right now, I guess I'm still identifying and there's so many. But I don't know oh. if, if they're if they are aware of each other either, because mm-hmm. I don't. There's what there's like the College Book Arts Association, which um, um, I think it would be just great if it was just called the Book Arts Association or something. I don't know if you, uh, yeah. because I think when you're in the educational, uh, in, in I should say the in, industrial education uh, um, machine, it's a different uh, setting, uh, whereas. Yeah with all the centers, the nonprofits, mm-hmm. um, or the private studios outside of the academy um, or off campus are operate sort of in a different reality. Or I should mm-hmm. say the, the college book arts operates in a different reality. We work in reality <laughs> where, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little no, I mean, I understand, I understand that, like, it's a very specific experience, and I mean, like, I, I loved my time at Goshen College, and it was super valuable, and, like, one of my strongest memories of, of, like, the end of my time was that in senior seminar last semester, I had already done, like, all the work for my senior show, everything was wrapping up and we had a speaker come in that was like, yeah, if you are not like my two options were 
sort of like you could go the education route, like teaching in the classroom, or you could go like the graphic design route. I was like, I don't want to go either of those routes. So I'm just majoring in like studio arts printmaking. Um, And we had this speaker come in that was like, you should take a business class. Like you should do X, Y, Z. And I was like, this would have been great to be told like my first (laughs) first year of college, right? Right. Like, thank you for telling me about these other sort of possible resources, like the setup for going out and doing community work or the Mm -hmm. setup. It's like, it's like totally different the way that that's sort of like operated. Yeah. And, and I think if you're in the academic uh, world, I don't know if you can make that change or it's yeah. so difficult yeah. to make the it's, change. It's so hard. Whereas, I talk to educators and they're yeah. just like, it's so hard. But Sorry, uh, I interrupted no, you. No, Whereas, no as, as out here, I mean, we can, we can, you know, make that, make those arrangements. I mean, yeah. for one thing, we're sort of doing this in a non-scheduled, more like atelier um, environment where people, if, if they're learning, we could, we have a, you know, a community project and we can bring mm-hmm. people in and mm-hmm. work. They can learn in, um, real time. They can, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a, what is it? It's experiential learning, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're mm-hmm. having this experience with the community and they're learning at the same time as the mm-hmm. community, uh, whereas, um, so everything is sort of happening at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's much more interesting than, you know, sitting in a classroom and like you say, you know, you're kind of marched through a, a curriculum that at the end you realize, oh, I didn't get this or that. And now I'm about to be thrust out into the world and I don't have access to um, all of these resources I have, I had when I was paying tuition, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Yeah. How am I supposed to keep like making my stuff, making like doing the work that I have been doing if I don't have access yeah. to any of the tools that I had previously. Right. Um, yeah. Well, Community I'll say print shop. Right. So that's where it's at. <laughs> yeah. And I think you have to just, stick your you have to be vulnerable you have to stick your neck out and you have to mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like I have been so lucky to meet um just a few printers who were extremely generous with their time mm-hmm. and their equipment um mm-hmm. and I mean one of my dear uh uh mentors uh a gentleman on the eastern shore of Maryland in uh, Chestertown Maryland Mike Kaler um, mm-hmm. when I met him, he was teaching at Washington college and he's, I think, I believe he's still the printer in residence there. It's a, it's a fantastic little, it's a, again, just like Goshen, uh, mm-hmm. perfect and beautiful in all ways in, mm-hmm. in so many ways, but they also, they have this literary house that the oh, O'Neill wonderful. literary house with, that has its own press room. So, and Mike had this, I can, you know, sum it up in just a few words. Mike's kind of philosophy was, you know, don't hog the goods. And Ooh, I he, love that. we, you know, back, this is early night. No. Yeah. Mid nineties. I think I met him and Mike was always the guy that people in the, in the area 
would call and say, look, there's this old print shop uh, mm. that they need to get a press out of a basement uh, or this old barn, you know, we're going to junk it. And Mike would go and rescue this stuff. So he had a trailer and I would go and meet him and I would stay over and, you know, we moved a lot of equipment, um, but he would um, save it and store it. And then I remember, uh, gosh, I think it was 95 that he said, oh, uh, come out to the barn. And he gave me, he, he gave me a Vandercook, <clears throat> gave oh, it to amazing. me. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a junker, but uh, it's the simple fact was like, he, he already had enough. The thing is, mm -hmm. he was of the, of the mindset that, look, I have enough. Mm -hmm. And I have this other material and what do you need? Mm -hmm. uh, and I, when I hear about the, um, gosh, who's the fellow up in Detroit? He's always trying to save equipment. I can't think of his name. It's not Fritz uh, Swanson. It's, oh gosh, why can't I think of his name? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. But he's in I'm Detroit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's uh, really trying to, he's the fellow who, who came up with the blue book uh of price you know he sort oh, of studied uh the yes. prices i and, do not remember the name either but i know who you're talking oh, about oh gosh i'm so sorry um, but he um you know they're saving they're, everybody's trying to save equipment where do you put it and mm -hmm. where does it go uh you know you and i have our private yeah. opinions about uh equipment dealers mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but no that's that like all I can think about right now is like my limited interactions with Amos Kennedy, a printer from Detroit. Um, and I have one of his presses in my studio today. Oh, right. um, and that's in part because like, he just has, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, he just has presses and they're kind of like permanently, temporarily on loan. It's like, if you're going to use it, put it in your studio. If right. you're going to get rid of it, let me know. And I'm going to find someone else that's going to use it and they'll put it in their space. Right. Like, but it's, his, it's his press. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's, but it's wonderful. I have a workshop coming up later in November that I'm, I'm so excited. I'm going to be using that right. press. It's wonderful. Um, and the, and the tabletops too, you have yeah three tabletops on loan from the Gary Print Workers Union. From you, yeah. <laughs> because um, of that, it's this this whole, it gets back to equipment sharing. Because of that, I was able to have like the Goshen Public Library team reading program come into the studio and print bookmarks on those tabletop presses. Like um, it's it's that whole idea. I love that so much. I wrote that down. Don't hog the goods. Um, I I love that, that idea of sharing because you have enough. Yeah, I think we, as a society in general, a lot of us have to say, you know, we have enough. Uh, what is left over, uh, you know, it's just kind of, you know, greed is, uh, what do you call it? Uh, maybe it a should huge be, problem. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it should be, what is that book? The, the uh, Diagnostic, uh, manual the of mental illness or something it's a real sorry i'm not going to be helpful here i don't know yeah sorry okay well you know it's a it's a it's a like a dictionary of all the mm -hmm. 
mental illnesses and that, kind, that, that level of greed, you know, just simply. Um, and I don't think any of us are greedy uh, necessarily. Uh, we all tend to open our doors, but we don't have a lot to begin with. So we're pretty careful about uh, what comes and goes. Yeah. But when it comes to like having an extra can of ink or like, oh, you need these presses or you need some creasing matrix in a hurry or something, just mm-hmm. call somebody up and uh, drive over. Or, um, I guess yeah. it would be so much easier if we just lived in a city. <laughs> no. Yeah, but I mean, it it goes back to that exact thing of like, knowing who's there is that first step of like, okay, then who can I call to be like, crap, I need this matrix right now. Yeah. Um, or do you have this paper? Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I borrow a teaspoon of magnesium carbonate? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else exciting on your list that we can talk about? Um, I think... I think that that's pretty much everything. Um, I had sort of like one last big question um, that we've already kind of covered. So we don't necessarily have to talk about it, but like, how do you, like, there are so many things that you could focus poorly. on. Like the answers to it is, is I do it. If I do it at all, I do it poorly. Okay. Great. That was that. No. All I, all I know <laughs> is how to, uh, crank up Vandercook or put ink on paper or uh, make a book. I'm pretty bad at everything else. My my question was more of yeah. like, okay, so we want to have a community print shop. Great. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yes, we do. I, I have the equipment to do community printing. I have the means yeah, what, to what, do these what does that mean? Wait, what does that mean, community printing? Like letting people, letting the community come print? Yeah, that's just, a great question. I mean, I just, yeah. Just wanted to find it, that's all. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Having having people that do not have this equipment right. okay. come into the studio and use the equipment. Um okay, and, but yeah. Your question, so, I'm sorry. So my question is sort of like, okay, there are so many facets of that that are kind of like unavailable now. Like, how do I get type? to have my community print shop? Mm. How do I get all of that sort of like support stuff? Um, and I know that typecasting is something you are learning more about and talking about having in Gary as sort of this like empowerment of like, now right. if we would have that, that would be a great asset for having a community print shop and like having access to type to be able to print the things. Um, and there are just like so many, so many aspects like that, that you can, can choose from. Right. So that's uh, one of the great questions, yeah. like should be on the best practice in the best practices book. Like if you're a bookbinder, where can, um, oh gosh, I don't know of a, an analogy in, in for bookbinding that is is sort of a, an equivalent of typecasting to letterpress printers so many mm-hmm. letterpress printers you know use photopolymer which um <clears throat> you know 
my opinion is, you know, it has its place. It's great. Um, you know, if you're going to set something digital, if you're going to set type digitally, then there's no other way of printing it other than photopolymer. It's, you know, it's a, the design is a digital original. Um, certainly mm -hmm. calligraphy, lettering, you know, it's, it's a really versatile and practical thing. Um, it's great if you can make your own plates. It's even better if you can make your own film. I think film is where the really the Achilles heel of uh, the photopolymer mm. plate makers because if you don't have access to that image setting, um, and I know there are people who are doing the DIY stuff and they're they're using their inkjets or laser printers or something, um, but. I'm talking about like the really, uh, I mean, that's, that's great to a certain degree, but I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to set a high standard uh, for production. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you, if you're, if you're going to do it as best as you can, um, then, you know, an image setter uh, with that linotronic, you know, that high quality, that absolute density of, of black um, for plate making. And I mean, the plates will be around. Uh, it just seems like the image setters are um, fading quickly because that's a, what, a silver based like photography. You know, that's still very analog kind mm -hmm. of, uh, that's still one of those hybrid, you know, analog chemical, you know. Yeah, so that that's another example of like, okay, great. I have the equipment, we can do the thing but the like support process. Right, exactly. Is endangered. Right. Um, but as far as typecasting goes, you know, gosh, like we could count the number of, of um, I mean, there's, there are more typecasters, private typecasters than there are folks uh, who are selling it uh, to the public. Um, mm -hmm. And most folks just don't even know anymore. When they talk about letterpress, they're not talking about um, hot metal typography. They're, they're um they really are talking about um i guess michael babcock would call it plate press you know it's that photopolymer indented into paper and uh, uh whereas i'm i'm really a book printer so mm -hmm. impression you know is something i i moderate very carefully um but that's really not what's what when when people think about letterpress these days, it's really wedding invitations, kind of ink at the bottom of a ditch, kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, printing. Um, but no, typecasting, absolutely. Uh, I don't, I don't know where. I mean, people have foundry type; they have cases full of old type, and they'll keep using it, I suppose. Uh, but it all eventually will make its way into the hellbox, which is such a shame because type uh casting is a closed system it mm. uh old new type old type simply becomes new type it's um very but, sort of recyclable right it is it really is it's um the ultimate you know it's it's a completely closed system whereas plate is but uh plate making there are leaks of energy and this, this is all uh um i'm totally just gleaning all of this Everything I'm saying is kind of from Matt, Michael Babcock's moth, who's a, a Boston printer, if you're not aware. Um, very excellent, uh, fine printer, uh, does uh, commercial work. Um, 
but yeah, he'll 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 say that the the whole process of photopolymer plate making, you know, there are leaks of energy throughout the entire process where um, type founding, you know, like I say, is closed. And and mm-hmm. I've said it more than once to you, uh, a piece of type, uh, an, a worn out piece of type will can go into the hellbox, melted down and is put right back into the caster. Whereas a photopolymer plate, yeah, if you take care of it, you, you can put it in uh, a, the file cabinet and pull that job out. But I don't know if you're going to have um, a re- repeat. It's not the photopolymer isn't recyclable. I guess the best it can hope to become is like a park bench. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting to sort of think <laughs> about. I mean, yeah, it's interesting to sort of think about that. And I have this love-hate relationship with photopolymer as well, because it is something that helped letterpress have a comeback. And because of that, more equipment was saved. And because of that, more people are interested. But exactly what you're saying of like, it's less sort of sustainable long-term and- Right. Yeah. But it's um, so hard. It's so hard to sort of choose of like, well, it, if you it, want a community print shop, are you? Yeah, well, go ahead. What I don't even know if you necessarily have to choose. Um, I mean, whatever type comes along, um, evaluate it, you know. Um, yeah, I, sorry. I'm not, I wasn't trying to say like choose between no, no, type no. and photopolymer. I was, I was trying to say like choose which battles to have <laughs> right so no but um, you uh when you get when you have the uh opportunity to to acquire type metal type well can you have it in your shop i mean is that something you have space for um what mm, kind of mm-hmm. uh, do an analysis of the type you know you look at the quantity look at the quality of the type you have to identify it just like you know all these folks with their wonderful you know they acquire a font of wood type you know, there are some great reference books out there just to be able to identify and name the thing that you mm-hmm. have. Um, and then uh, then you, once you know what you have, then you can articulate uh, what it is, you know, whatever you're trying to say, then you can articulate with that medium, you know. Um, so I think you and I've had this discussion before, like, where do we get type? And I've had this uh, a very long relationship with uh, the press and letter foundry of Michael and Winifred Bixler up in, and I've been really lucky uh, to have worked there and um, purchased type from them. And I, you know, am familiar with the monotype system. Um, but photopolymer is 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 much faster, easier. You know, you can mm-hmm. set something on your laptop and see it immediately. You can send a client mm-hmm. a PDF. Mm-hmm. Then uh, and you can get a plate made, and but uh, metal is much slower. And if you don't have the stuff in your shop, then you're at a real disadvantage. Uh, yeah, and you, it's, ha- you have to wait, and it yeah. takes a long time. I mean, it's and it's heavy and it's expensive. So and it's there's there's lots of stuff connected to that too. Like exactly what you were saying of like, do you have the space to house the type and care care for it properly, right? Like you don't want to just like leave it in a damp basement. You don't want to no, no. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I mean, you're and a, so, 
So then along with that, like, do you have spaces to go in between words? Like, (laughs) like that's exactly what I'm running uh, into is like, I'm starting my type collection and it's wonderful and exciting and awesome. And I go to set something and I'm like, crap, (laughs) (laughs) I need yet another thing in between that is, yeah, one of the support things. So Um, um, I can tell you one story that, uh, so I was fortunate when I was at Wells to um, you know, how, how far away was I from Mike's shop? It was very close, you know, uh, I think was it, I don't know if it was 30 minutes, uh, upstate New York. So it was more like 45 and Syracuse was maybe it was certainly more than an hour. I'm forgetting. Uh, but Mm -hmm. anyhow, um, when I started working for Mike, you know, the, the question was, why did you get into this? And mm. or how, you know, how did you become a typecaster? Uh, and he said, well, I wanted to print. I mean, this is just completely paraphrasing, but he, the, the point is he wanted to print, therefore, in, and in order to print, he needed metal type. Mm-hmm. So therefore he needed to learn to uh, make metal type. He wasn't going to rely on um, others to make it for him. So he just, he, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to think he discovered, you know, he found out that uh, the school he was at, RIT, had uh, disposed of a uh, monotype composition caster, which, mm-hmm. um, and how did they dispose of it? They put it in the dumpster. <laughs> oh, so, so Mike rescued it from, so the point is, uh, in order to print, you needed type. And in order to get type to print, he needed to make it himself. So he looked mm-hmm. at what was available, which was, you know, the industry was getting rid of this technology uh, it, or rather, let's say it was available to him. Whereas mm-hmm. bef- in an earlier generation or maybe five, 10, certainly 15, 20 years earlier, it wouldn't have been, you know, uh-huh. that, that was still the industry standard. Um, I'll give you a very uh, similar uh example uh and that i I found very interesting in the dynamic so mike was i would drive to mike's but then i could drive further on to syracuse where uh boxcar press uh had uh started well Mm -hmm. they had moved you know uh from minnesota to syracuse and you know established themselves um and i'm when i met harold you know why was it that he got into fo- making photopolymer plates for others. Well, he wanted to print and so he needed type. And mm. in order to have the type to print, he needed to make his own and what was mm-hmm. available. So he had, I believe he had some experience uh, with Gerald Lang, who, uh, you know, had been, um, you know, what do you call it? Uh, you know, when you're, you know, he was advocating for photopolymer, you know, mm-hmm. t- teaching and stuff. And then just Harold just sort of like dove in and gave it his all and, and, and really built. Uh, so he, you know, was really um, kind of in the same vein as, so you have to have the stuff, right? You have yeah, to have yeah. the stuff to print, you know, if you're yeah. gonna. So that's why, you know, so many printers will, like us, will have plate makers or, or have a mm-hmm. little type or certainly, you know, wood type um 
uh, folks who have wood type just, you know, that's great to have cases and cases full of that stuff because, um, and that there are new people, there are, you know, a couple of places that are making new wood type um, and photopolymer keeps moving along as it is. Um, yeah. But metal yeah. type though is in a very different situation because those are, those are some really, you know, they were like the pinnacle of 19th century technology. And um, they take a, a lot of focus and dedication that, um, and resources that I, I don't think many letterpress printers have uh, or, or are capable of taking on. So yeah, yeah. You, you ask about having that resource. And um, I've been uh, in, you know, I was very interested in typecasting years ago, and then there was a period in my life where I uh, just let's just call it the lost years. Uh, <laughs> but but now, you know, I'm uh, trying my best to look uh, to to I don't know. It, it seems to, so. I should say this: if you if you were my neighbor. If you came, if I met you, if you were in Gary or Lake County, Indiana or wherever, and you wanted, if you needed a press, I would say, look, if I, as long as I have a press, you have a press. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to typecasting, if I had a type foundry, well, then you would have type. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know how I could make it possible financially, but it seems to me somehow, uh, you, there are ways, there have to be ways to keep the craft alive and to provide goods and services to those who need it. So yeah. look, if I, when I was at Wells, the type was for shit. When I first showed up there, it was uh, just a job shop full of just an inarticulate. And I know some people could teach from that kind of collection of type where it's just 18 point Spartan. And then it's like 14 point park avenue and you know and it's mm -hmm. just it's just completely random uh yeah. yeah whereas when i met when i would visit the bixler shop and i would talk to mike he modeled his after the hand comp room in at in his uh at his school at school all right rit which he studied under alexander lawson and they had their they had typecasting equipment so it was absolutely normal to expect to see a cabinet from top to bottom, full of one typeface in one style in a range of sizes. So mm, when I very different. Yes. Uh when so when I was part of my job at Wells initially was, you know, apprenticing with Mike, I would spend just every moment I could up there at the caster. And Mike, you know, the way it was set up, he would set everything up and you kind of watched it and maintained it. And, you know, he would show you what to do. It was never that you could set up the machine and run mm -hmm. it yourself. Yeah. I, I was basically standing there all day in front of a machine standing and watching brand new type come out of a, uh, of a machine and then putting it directly into a case that I would drive back to Aurora and put into a cabinet. And eventually, you know, I, we did that enough that when a, somebody could come to when, when we had visitors at Wells, you could point to a cabinet and say, that's Centaur. And there would be maybe two cases of 12 point or, or who am I kidding? It would be like, 
one case of 12 point and then uh, <laughs> it would be like 14 uh, a couple cases of 14 and then maybe uh, a couple of 16 a few of 18 and then you know the display sizes you know there'd be uh, you know one or two cases up but it was uh, a way that we could teach typography and the history of typography and to students and and say look here's here's the voice I mean, Mike had this wonderful way of putting it. Uh, he, you know, he's a very uh, classy, uh, very traditional, very restrained uh, typographer, book typographer. And he would say, um, you can subtly influence a student's sense of typographic taste by limiting their access to crap. <laughs> and, I love that. I yeah. love that. So, you know, in a sense, we were, you know, I put all of the weird stuff. I didn't get rid of it. I got rid of all the bad stuff, like the things that were oxidized or damaged. That immediately mm -hmm. went into the into the um uh Nolan remelt furnace and then turned into new type. Um and then the cases were clean and we wouldn't mm -hmm. reuse the cases, but um uh yeah, the students, we, when they were working on a project, they would set some type. Um, and then we would say, look, you know, try that, bump that up a size, bring that down a size. You know, we would, you know, increase the letting, you know, we would give them suggestions. But it's a way, you know, you kind of have this scarcity, this this economy of, of scarcity when it comes to um, just lim finding how much you can do within certain parameters. Uh, you know, you, you know, on the laptop, you can have any number of typefaces and you can have a, an infinite number of sizes and um, you can adjust the word spacing and uh, letter spacing and line spacing uh, just, you know, microscopically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it seems endless, whereas, um, you know, and you're staring into a, you know, a screen that's just uh, shooting light at you. Whereas, you know, if you're dealing with type, these decisions are kind of made somewhere between your head and your hands. Yeah. Um, it feels totally different. Right. Um, I don't, so keeping typecasting alive, I mean, I don't have the space. I mean, I own two Ludlow's and, um, I've, I know of shops that have Ludlow's that they just don't use them. I don't know what they're sitting on um they're really a great machine to sort of start uh they're they're really kind of uh they're, they're simple simpler uh they do nice display sizes uh, i mean there's a whole education about hot metal typecasting that i just don't think is going on at all and we're ignoring that at our peril um because when it's gone when these guys and i i looked i I looked at the list. I have this list of, you know, typecasters that I know. The average age is like 73. Um, and if you took out a couple of us, younger people who are interested, the age, mm -hmm. that number goes up to like 78. And I don't know how in, in five years time, how much type those guys will be um, casting. And I say guys. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, think I, I hate to say it, it's probably the the most inspiring um, um, person I've come across is not one of these guys is um, 
Val Lucas over in Maryland at Bauerbox. She mm -hmm. uh, has been taking it upon herself to uh, go study with a neighbor, uh, Jim Walzak, who I think is 82. And he is, uh, he's got his uh, little private type foundry, but she's making her own or ornaments. And um, yeah, I mean, that's- Which I, I love that. Yeah. So we, we sort of, I mean, I don't know. I, I tune into anything that has to do with hot metal and the hot metal typecasting. And, and invariably it's like, how do we get young people involved? Well, I don't even think young people are aware. And, yeah, and I mean, we, it's- it's the sort of thing. Machines. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it's the sort of it's the sort of thing too. Like, if the Gary Printworkers Union would have some of that available, and like I could come, right, do a similar thing of what Val is doing. Like, start Absolutely. with yeah. casting some ornaments, super simple, small. Like, yeah, I would totally do that. If you, um, exactly. I mean, th th that's the thing, I think, between the city and the country, you know, we country mice uh, here in Gary. I mean, you would think that property would be cheap and there's plenty of available space. I'm not finding that to be the case, uh, mm. I think. But that's a Gary problem because um, mm -hmm. it's it's just kind of a uh, it's just strange. But uh, I mean, in Hammond, folks in Hammond, nearby Hammond, Indiana are, are always saying, hey, you should come over here and set up and i'm like nobody's ever heard of the hammond print workers union uh, <laughs> i certainly haven't but uh that's a whole nother conversation but the, the thing is yes um i i mean i'm not really interested in being uh making uh i am I'm more interested in helping people make things than making my own things. I mean, I do have my mm. own work to do. Don't get me wrong. I have my interests and I have my goals, but um, no, I think my real calling is to like uh, get people in. And I think it's yours. Get people in, get them familiarized with the space, the equipment, get them tools in their hands. How do we do that? How do we, um, uh, find the spaces and yeah. and save the equipment and, yeah. and 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 make sure that all the little supporting pieces are in place. And if there was a Gary Printworkers Union space um, that had its you know had an educational space and had a production space kind of cordoned off, uh, that would be great if it was its own little uh, profit for profit non-profit hybrid you know situation i think that's yeah. what um, uh but there if there if there were space uh certainly if i could get my mitts on um typecasting equipment i wouldn't i wouldn't hesitate i mean they're they're uh but it's a it's a really probably the steepest incline uh as far as um not the learning curve but really it's a huge challenge and yeah I'm a big fine. barrier i'm fine printing in in making books but um i think that i mean i need i need type i need the the materials um and if i have them i want to make them available so and in chicago and 
where you know the Midwest is where the flyover, uh, you know, states, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that that kind of means we're in the middle. Uh, mm-hmm. So centrally located. In other words, we're centrally located. So it seems to me that's also ideal. So, you know, uh, there are fabulous centers like up in Wisconsin and in Minnesota and Iowa and Kentucky and Ohio. And there's a whole group in Ohio that's trying to do the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. God, God, I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry. No, uh, you're good. And in I think Michigan, that you're like, bringing up a great point, which is that like, am I? Um, well, I'm just thinking of Goshen College has this performing art series where they have all of these different concerts throughout the year. And I think part of why they're able to get some of the performers they do is because they're close to Chicago and they're sort of like, you're already coming to Chicago, come to us. All and I right. think that it's this, this great thing of like, okay, yeah, we are centrally located. People are coming to Chicago. People are coming to the Midwest either to go right. somewhere else or to do something here. And it's like, we could, we could really kind of latch onto that idea. You know, there, there used to be, uh, uh, this is, again, I, everything in the early nineties, uh, I worked at a bookstore and the publishers from New York would fly in authors. They would fly their uh, authors in, you know, when they used to have like, uh, you know, authors would do book tours. Uh, they would fly him into Memphis where I was and then um, different bookstores. I don't know how he coordinated it at all. I mean, I wasn't involved, but uh, it was possible then for, for one uh, ticket to uh, Memphis, an airline ticket to Memphis, uh, then they could drive to Fayetteville, to a bookstore in Fayetteville, Arkansas, or down to, Oxford, Mississippi, or over to mm-hmm. Nashville. And then there were a whole, there were a couple other bookstores in between. And uh, there was the circuit. And yeah. um, I kind of remember, what was his name? Peter Thomas. Peter Thomas had a great way of like figuring out how to do workshops where he would travel from place to place. And he was making this circuit. So the place he was at would then take him to the next place or help him get there. And then, and I don't see why that isn't possible where. I don't know. I've Calum- I've not yeah. visited the book the, the book arts in uh, Kalamazoo, but um, they. I don't see why there couldn't be uh, from Detroit to Kalamazoo or Ann Arbor to Goshen to South Bend to <laughs> Gary to Chicago up to Milwaukee. Uh, you know, there, there's there. I think there, are, but we all have to sort of know each other and have this system in place and i don't i don't know if we're you and i are certainly not set up yet so you you are but but i mean that does go back to like everything we were talking about in the beginning of this whole network and just being able to how do you know who is there how do you coordinate how do you share yeah yeah it's it's we're doomed I don't think we should end on that note, Terry. I think we need to end on a better note. We're not doomed. No, we're not doomed. We definitely have obstacles because many people consider different aspects of our work like obsolete. But it's it's so exciting to have someone in the studio 
for the first time and have them print something and get really excited. Um, recently, I had two kids in the studio come in with their mom. They were on fall break and they came in for part of a day to print stuff. And this one kid really wanted to print his Christmas cards. He was like maybe eight years old and he really wanted to do <laughs> every other letter, a different color. Oh my God. And yeah. I have, I have this little tabletop show card that used to be like in the back of a grocery store to print price tags. Um, pretty small. I love it. It's great for kids. You just slap some magnets on there. They go to town. And he would, he was just like individually hand inking each letter and then sampling it, hot mess. And I had such a good time with him because I, I was able to get him to sort out all of his letters that he wanted to be read and like put them in one place and then ink them all at once, like in one go Mm -hmm. and then sort out all the green letters and then and then like do the same thing and put them on the press, blah, blah, blah. And it like cut his time down in half, blah, blah, blah. And when he would like every single time he pulled a card, he was just like, oh my God, I did it. Yeah. Hey, that I worked. Did it. <laughs> like whether it was hand inking every single letter individually or like inking half of them in one go, every time he was just like, oh, it did it again. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you are, you were risking all that frustration, like, okay, dealing with this kid and the kids possible risking frustration, like, oh, you know, this is, if I do it this way, it's going to be so much slower and problematic and I'm not going to get the payoff, but you, mm-hmm. you were teaching problem solving. And then the whole fact that you can kind of just do it over and over again, uh, that is such a, I don't know, that's such a secret weapon that, uh, the book arts we in the book arts have uh yeah we printmakers have that um uh it's just it why aren't why aren't we <laughs> why aren't yeah. we more successful doing this <laughs> why aren't we getting more help yeah. doing this when um it kind of um really addresses what you know i think is at the 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 foundation of so many of our I mean, we, we, of existing as a human being yeah i, I mean we're yeah, yeah people people get excited and their their curiosity is sparked and it's 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 an active um you know they're active they're physically active yeah. and engaged where uh, it beats the hell out of just sitting around staring at your phone waiting and it's really like it's really amazing to fall. be there for that like really special moment of like oh i did a thing And then this kid was immediately like, okay, now for my next project, (laughs) this is what I'm going to do. And it's like, I love that. That is like why I, that's why I exist of just like this thing, you tried it and you're like, ooh, I understand a little bit better how it works. Now I'm going to do my next thing with that understanding and then I understand more. And then, yeah. Don't don't you hate it when somebody like then comes up with like a hundred different ideas and they ask you like fifteen million questions about like how do you do this and how do you do that and you're like oh you know if you had a book art center if you had a community print shop you could probably ask them but I don't know I'm just oh, sitting man. here uh, 
for for the listeners, keep, that's exactly what I do to Terry. Just just <laughs> trying to. I don't, but I'm just sitting here just trying to keep the lights on, kids. So I don't know. Yeah. Yep. I call Terry and I'm like, excuse me. I have 50 questions. Answer them right now. And Terry is like, I will graciously drop everything I am doing to help you. <laughs> Maybe we should just end with something like, well, hey, yeah. Ida, thanks Terry. for you know, having this taken time to, you know, talk about your uh, your practice and your um, all the great work you're doing out in Goshen. I think I think people should really figure out how to um, um, come visit you because it's um, and when they're driving by, they should just like, at least wave. Uh, oh, man. If they drive yeah, I'll by, take a wave. yeah. Uh, when they well, no, no, they'll wave to me as they're driving by oh. you know, to to Goshen. Oh yeah, um, to me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah and Terry thank you for taking the time to talk about your practice and it's always like I always learn something whenever I talk to you um, it's great to hear what you're thinking about and what you're working on and yeah well, I, I'm happy you're my neighbor I'm just learning too I am happy you're my neighbor neighbor yeah all right neighbor I'll yeah, talk to you and, again soon yeah and thanks Chicago Printers Guild oh yeah Thank Thanks you. for uh, letting us uh, yammer on like we do. Yeah, this was wonderful. Big thanks to Ida and Terry for adding to the oral history of our region. You can find their links to their websites in the episode show notes. Now for announcements. Exciting news, Gravidolandia is happening very soon. This annual print festival is taking place Friday, November 18th through Sunday the 20th at the National Museum of Mexican Art. It's free to attend, family-friendly, and events are taking place every single day. Demos, discussion panels, exhibitions, it all leads up to a print fair on Sunday. Chicago Printers Guild will have a table there too, so make sure to swing by and say what's up. Did you know that Chicago Printers Guild has a brick and mortar location? The CPG has a space in the Chicago Art Department in Pilsen. We're super excited to have this space as our micro headquarters. We've hosted one meetup there so far and we're looking forward to activating the space. So if you have any suggestions on how the space could best be utilized by its members, please reach out and let us know your ideas. Speaking of the Chicago Art Department, this will be the location of the 2022 Chicago Printers Guild Holiday Print Fair. Save the date for December 10th. We have space for 20 vendors and applications are still open. Table fees are on a sliding scale. Alternatively, if you don't feel like doing the whole table thing, members may show their work at the CPG table for no table fee but a 4% commission will be collected just to cover processing fees. So you got options, fam. Come show your work. And if that wasn't cool enough, we're also hosting a free art packing party on Thursday, December 8th. That's two days before the fair. Any participant can come to our space at CAD 
to use free cardboard, plastic sleeves, tape, and labels to package their work and make it fair ready. A link to the event page with a bunch more details and the application process is in the show notes. So check that out. And I think that's it for announcements. If you have any questions, please shoot us an email at chicagoprintersguild at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in, print peeps.